From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Brian Walsh, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, September 16th. Today, I'm joined by Impact Alpha's newest correspondent, Shafali Anand, to hear about this year's Impact Investors Council in Delhi, India. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in Impact Investing. After a summer of devastating heat waves, floods, and drought, the fall climate conference season is set to kick off in New York next week with Climate Week. The surprise passage of the Inflation Reduction Act has buoyed spirits in the climate community. Still, challenges remain. This week's Agents of Impact call looked at the ongoing gaps and opportunities in climate finance and how using different types of capital can make a difference. Here's Jonathan Phillips of the Duke University Energy Access Program. We need to stop talking about mitigation solutions in in places in the world where there's just very little carbon emissions happening and frame it in a way that I think is more acceptable for countries and, and something that they can really get behind. And that's low carbon development. Impact Alpha also launched its climate finance tracker which was developed by Eric Berlow of Vibrant Data Labs. This climate crisis is an all-hands-on-deck problem, and what we're trying to do with this tracker is to help all the hands see what the others are doing, just to make it transparent, and also to help all the hands to see the big picture because everybody's working independently in their own silos. For a full recording of the Agents of Impact call, check out the link in our show notes. To manage climate risk, a municipal bond insurer is using data to assess and remedy local vulnerabilities. Assured Guarantee, a major insurer of U.S. municipal bonds, is partnering with intelligence platform Urban Footprint to create a tool to assess ESG risk in the municipal bond markets. The platform tracks indicators of individual communities' ability to respond to climate threats. Once weaknesses are identified, Assured will work with communities to address vulnerabilities and reduce the risk of default on their bonds. A lack of charging infrastructure for commercial electric vehicles is slowing the deployment of electric trucks. Terawatt infrastructure raised $1 billion to expand charging networks for commercial electric vehicle fleets, including fleets of heavy-duty trucks. Terawatt expects global investments in electric vehicle charging to approach $1 trillion by 2040. And now it's time for our featured conversation. Now, Shafala, you're joining us from Delhi, where you attended an impact investing forum hosted by the Impact Investors Council. In your reporting from the event, you noted that the dominant theme was the acceleration of climate finance and climate tech that's taking off in India. What do you think is underpinning that trend? You know, Brian, this year, the world over, all of us have felt the impact of climate change, whether it's in the heat waves in parts of the U.S., Europe, as well as here in India. To give you some context, this March was the hottest in India in 122 years of record keeping. In April and June, you know, temperatures in India were routinely topping 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, Just last week, India's Silicon Valley, uh, the city of Bangalore, was pounded with the heaviest rains in some 50 years. So there is a recognition that these kinds of events you know, rather than being once in a decades kinds of events are becoming a regular feature and something needs to be done about it urgently. So the government of India has already stepped up. Uh, They've pledged that half of India's energy needs by 2030 will come from renewables. Um, And to give, give some numbers, this means 500 gigawatts of renewable capacity needs to be built by 2030, up from just around 200 gigawatts right now. 
So you can imagine that India needs to move fast and it needs a lot of money to achieve these goals. At least another $1 trillion, according to a report by Unitas Capital and the Climate Tech Accelerator Climax. So it sounds like there's still a substantial capital gap, but that climate finance is accelerating quickly. Yeah, right. Uh, one of the speakers at the uh, IIC conference that I attended this week, uh, Akash Shah of Venture Fund Peak Sustainability Ventures, called this a tipping point for India. Uh, you know, we know that climate tech startups raised more than $800 million in the first half of this year, according to IIC's data. Overall, climate financing will be much higher when you factor in private equity deals and green bonds and so on. Um, you know, one estimate we have from Unitas Capital and Climax report is that total climate investing in India was close to $20 billion last year. Uh, so, Shafali, where is that capital going? Most of it so far is going to, you know, renewable energy projects, uh, technologies that are fairly established and where investors can support commercialization and scale rather than higher risk prototyping and development. Um, so solar, wind, and those kinds of projects. Um, another area of big interest has been electric vehicles. So last year, for instance, we saw TPG Rice Climate co-lead a $1 billion investment in Tata Motors' new electric vehicle unit. This year, Ola Electric raised $200 million to ramp up electric vehicle produce, production and Greaves Electric Mobility raised $150 million to make electric two-wheel and three-wheeler vehicles. Just to give you an idea, unlike in the West where, you know, cars, electric cars are the, are the big thing, in India, two-wheel and three-wheel electric vehicles are where the action is happening. And the government is also pushing for electric buses. So that is another space uh, to watch out for. That's quite interesting. But what about newer technologies like decarbonizing India's enormous agricultural sector, for instance, or biofuels, sustainable materials, things of that nature? Now, you know, outside of renewables and electric vehicles, most climate tech in India is still pretty early stage. So I heard investors comment generally about interest in things like second generation biofuels and technology for decarbonization. But there, was, there were not too many specifics uh, that they talked about. Um, but one point that one of the investors, uh, Satya Narayan Bansal of investment firm Blue Ashwa Capital made, uh, which I thought was interesting, is that the Indian market is ripe for climate innovation. Reason being the cost of experimenting with new technologies is relatively low in India, you know, where engineering talent is, is much cheaper uh, you know, compared to the US or Europe, for example. So if the startup system in India is able to harness the talent and, of course, the capital that it needs, India could be on a path for leapfrogging more antiquated and dirtier technologies with greener options. And just give you a, a, a context, you know, this is an um, example from the digital revolution. You know, India has famously leapfrogged the stage of desktop and personal computers with millions of Indians accessing the internet for the first time through smartphones. Uh, they never had a, a desktop, for example. And it's that kind of jump that investors hope to see in climate solutions coming out of India. 
that's quite interesting. And now you've been reporting on India for more than a decade. What's your sense for how the conversations among India's impact investing community square with the urgency of the climate issue and the real needs from local communities? You know, more than half of India's 1.4 billion people still rely on agriculture. So earlier this month, uh, I was traveling to a village in eastern India where I met with farmers who talked about how their last crop had been washed away because of unseasonal rains. So these are farm hands, very poor people, you know, some of whom are making just $100 a month. Their lives and livelihoods are at stake. So that's, you know, that's the most extreme example of how the community is bearing the brunt of climate change. Now, the impact community, the investment community, policymakers, they do see and understand this need, but it's still a small community. Uh, What's heartening to see um, what I saw at this conference was that large investors, what we call traditional private equity venture funds, you know, they are starting to pay attention to these problems and trying to support companies, you know, which will make a change. So I think that's where the big change can come. And that's something we have to watch out for. Uh, So is it safe to say that impact investing is going mainstream among the investor community in India? Yeah, in fact was the thing that really struck me is that you have uh, some, you know, big private equity firms. There's a company called Multiples Asset Management. Uh, You know, a few years ago, they have uh, set out to found, they don't call it an impact fund, but when they pitch it to their investors, they say, you know, we're going to invest on these themes. So the fact that there is a commercialization of impact investing, I think that's a big move. Um, It's still limited to a few funds. Um, you, know, you know, another fund that, that I uh, heard from uh, a firm, a capital, they talked about how in each and every investment that they make, they pay attention to ESG parameters. This is not something they did even until a few years ago. So I think that is happening. Um, it should happen at a much faster pace. And, and I think there is that momentum that you're seeing, um, particularly in the context of countries like India. So beyond just investing in thematics that are aligned with impact investing goals, are these commercial investors self-proclaiming themselves to be impact investors, or are they uh, doing what's called impact investing incognito, uh, where they are investing thematically uh, in in the sectors uh, where they could have an impact, but they're not necessarily marketing themselves as impact investors and they're not necessarily measuring and reporting on the non-financial impact they have. They are not focusing themselves. They don't showcase themselves as impact investors. But what they are doing is they are starting to look at their investments from that impact lens. So let me give an example. One investor is talking about a logistics company, right? Uh, And this is a large logistics company delivery in India. Uh, you know, they uh, they have a lot of trucks and, you know, large fleet. So this this traditional investor is saying, OK, how do I make this fleet more climate conscious? Right. Like, how do I make it more green? How do I make it more sustainable? So, you know, why that is interesting is because, you know, when an impact fund or when an impact focused fund uh, uh, entrepreneur goes out there, they have access to maybe you know, a small part, uh, a smart part of the chain. But this is a large logistics company in India. For them to turn more environmental friendly, then that's a real shift. So these investors are saying, listen, uh, 
no, we are not impact investors, but we care now about the impact that our portfolio companies are going to make or are making. And so they are driving a real shift um, in how they do large and commercial business. And I think there's a lot of value to that because they already have such a big presence. Um, and that's where the real shift will happen. That's quite exciting. Well, thank you so much for your reporting from Delhi this week. And thank you so much for joining us, Shafali Anand. Well, thank you for having me. And that's going to do it for this week's Impact Briefing. Thanks to Shafali and our producer extraordinaire, Isaac Silk. Uh, ready to try Impact Alpha? Sign up for Impact Alpha Open, free of charge, directly at impactalpha.com. Want to go deeper? Grab a subscription and get full access to the site, Agents of Impact calls, and the daily email brief. Just go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and choose an annual subscription. I'm Brian Walsh, Head of Sustainability for the capital markets firm TPI Cap. Until next time, take good care.